Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, December 24th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Shows about the year in review not only serve to recall newsworthy or entertaining moments, they also provide a day off during the holiday season. So it is with this episode that was recorded earlier this week. It's the best of Sportsbeat KC 2020. What a year to remember and in some cases forget. Turns out we got in most sports after the COVID-19 pandemic shut down the sports world in March after a delay for several events like the Masters and a reduced schedule for others like the NBA, the NHL, and Major League Baseball. But before the world got sick, a Super Bowl was contested that brought much joy to Kansas City. Let's kick off our 2020 look back with a show we taped the morning after the Chiefs defeated the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 54. You'll hear Vahe Gregorian, Sam Mellinger, Herbie Teope, and Sam McDowell. We were coming at you from the dining room table at our rented home in Miami. It's a few minutes after the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> it feels like it. It does feel that way. We have been awake for every one of them. <laughs> Hey, um, so you might have heard uh, Chiefs won the Super Bowl last night, uh, defeating the San Francisco 49ers, 31-20, and we are going to discuss this Super Bowl victory and what it means with Vahe Gregorian, Sam McGow, Herbie Teope, and Sam Mellinger, all here, all awake, mostly, and guys, the... Uh, the first thing I thought of is, as it was becoming apparent that the Chiefs were going to win last night was, well, there goes some story angles for the future. You know, we, we, you know, we, how, how many, I've been doing this for five years. You, Sam, you've been covering them longer than anybody. Um, part of the narrative of the Chiefs for, oh, I don't know, five decades, you know, has been misfortune, just bad luck, bad teams. 50 years worth of a Super Bowl drought, no longer a storyline for these Kansas City Chiefs. It's always there. <laughs> it always has been. Or, you know, or, just, just a, yeah, just our friend. That, it's our, been our friend. Our uncle got his life together <laughs> last night. And now we got to <laughs> <laughs> invite him over again and, and all that stuff. He'll I mean, be it, on his best behavior now. <laughs> right. There is like... Um, I mean, I guess this always happens if if a team goes that long without winning. We probably said some of the similar things in 2015, but it's just like the the the, the difference of old Chiefs, you know, where it was just something just really creative is is how they're going to break your heart. To new Chiefs, you know, down 24 and then win by what 21 or whatever right right you know uh in in the division round down down 10 won by 11 uh down 10 in the super bowl won by 11 in the super bowl and it's not that surprising like you know like down 10 with nine minutes like like, ah, i still got the quarterback (laughs) you know uh if they can keep him clean a little bit and you know he'll he'll figure it out you make oh good go ahead okay sorry quick just quick to your point had the had the chiefs lost any of the last three games you know the way that other their opponents did, you know, had they had these leads, yeah, a twenty-four nothing lead, hundred percent. You know, it. I think we would have seen the reappearance of some form of one of the headlines you had over your story when they lost to the Titans. <laughs> yeah. Which tell me that one again. Uh, the Chiefs lost to the Titans because they're the Chiefs. Yeah, I think that was in play. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not just that, but I mean, look like um, 
I, I always have this in mind that like we, you know, not just us, but I think fans and other media, like oversimplification is just a thing that happens, right? Um, so it's not just the quarterback, like there's a lot of other stuff that, that happened as well. But I swear to God, it feels like if they had a reg, you know, like a normal quarterback, they would have lost maybe all three of these games. For a lot of reasons, right? I yeah. mean, including the very thing you said a minute ago, which was it's 8.53 left, the ball's getting kicked back to them. Your, your anxiety level's a little different if you think this is a guy who might get you a touchdown in a minute or two. I mean, yeah. we still were kind of thinking that drive was unraveling, unfurling yeah. a little slowly, but, yeah. but you just do things differently because you know you have yeah. that. It, and, and then, of course, you also have that capability. Well, and, and a, a drive that was um, unfurling slowly, uh, and, and they still scored in 240 right. because he throws this ridiculous back foot 55 yards in the air throw down to Tyreek Hill. I mean, it's just... On third and 15. Yeah, he just unlocks... You know, I'm not a video game guy, but he just, like, unlocks, like, stages that, that other teams aren't, you know, aren't worthy of, of having. Well, let me take this moment to uh, invite you to send your questions and comments, and we'll, we'll get to as many of them as we can. Um, and to thank our sponsor, Big O Tires, for um, not only for today's sponsorship, but all they've been with us all season. It's been... Uh, it's been terrific uh, working with Big O Tires on this, uh, but I'll, I'll play a little bit of a contrarian here. Um, those previous comebacks in the AFC playoffs happened before halftime. Right. Chiefs were like showing off last night. Yeah, oh, down ten, eight minutes to go. Yeah, sure. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I wasn't there. I was I was rationalizing the defeat. You know, with, with eight minutes to go. I I know you were writing it. I was writing stuff, Herbie. That. The it's, magic of Patrick Mahomes ran out. That was my lead. <laughs> I actually started to write one sentence about the possibility, uh, you know, with the other 1,500 words about the idea they were going to win. And then it was like, huh, 44-yard pass. Yeah. I don't know. Just at, at that moment, really at that moment, don't you start thinking? Okay. Oh, I stopped writing at that moment. And you asked Blair because Blair was sitting next to me. It was, yeah, yeah, it's time to watch the game. Whereas that <laughs> moment, the second interception, um, I think you, you, yeah. you're, you're like, this just isn't, isn't going to happen. 12 minutes to, about 12 minutes to go is yeah. when the yeah. second interception happened. Something we haven't seen yeah. only one other time in his career that he'd thrown as many as two in a game. And in that game, he also added six touchdown passes. The, uh, the thing that stuck out to me is there were so many of those moments that we would be writing about that fits into this Chiefs timeline of the past 50 years. We'd say... Everything was, was setting up perfectly for, <laughs> for them until Patrick Mahomes dislocated his knee. And you, then you'd be, you'd be pointing at that and right, say, right. That, was, that was the Chiefs moment that we're used to. Or it'd be one of, the, one of these comebacks. You know, they, 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 got, they had a pump blocked and they had so many things go wrong against the Texans, but one guy leads them back to it. And then, then, then Mahomes has, I think through three quarters, arguably the worst game of his yep. career, we were, we were going to say. And he still leads them back. On March 12th, we taped three different podcasts. That's how quickly the sports world was changing. We were preparing to cover the quarterfinal round of the Big 12 tournament at, well, Sprint Center then, now T-Mobile Center. But the night before, the NBA shut down because of the test result of Rudy Gobert. The Big 12 tournament was called off that day and the NCAA tournament the next. And, well, Here's what Sam Melliger and Vahe Gregorian and I were thinking in the middle of this rapidly changing series of events. So while you were in the dentist chair, Vahe, Sam, and Kellis Robinette and I were in this very room about, oh, I don't know, four hours ago, 
with a Facebook Live that was going to become a podcast, and the topic was how weird is it going to be to go to Sprint Center for the Big 12 tournament and have only the teams on the floor with just some family members in the stands? What was that going to look like, sound like, feel like, and and we'll never know. Those were simpler times. Those were innocent times back then. Well, you know, it's funny it, 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 because that is that what happened with that is such a nice little slice of this whole situation. I mean, these sort of things that we were thinking about yesterday are completely quaint, if not just tin-eared at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote yesterday thinking, okay, I, I got an idea. I'll write about how interesting that's going to be to see this just because kind of in a hurry, I hit the deadline and fascinating, I think, is the word I use. And then I, I woke up today feeling like, ah, I feel kind of gross that I phrased it that way. It really is a bigger scope than that. And, and it, as careful as we want to be to say it's a granular thing, the basketball part, it's really hard, I think, and I don't know if you guys have struggled with this, but hard to know how to phrase and frame things within the proper context of what's really happening, kind of earth-shaking, and our little slice here that we're looking at in the sports lens. It's just hard. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh, yeah. But as we always you – know, one of the thoughts that keeps us going as sports writers is, you know, we're the front – with college sports, I always tell you it's it's the what, the front porch of the university and and sports is a, you know, a however you want to – however you want to describe it as a reflection of our society, whatnot. I, I, I think that the story on on Wednesday, as much as we were gasping over the idea of Tom Hanks contracting coronavirus and, and some non-sports coronavirus stories, what resonated to a lot of people, and certainly to us, is when the um, – the Big 12 and other major conferences announced that they would hold their uh, events without without fans. And the NCAA did the same thing. Um, and then the NBA on Wednesday evening suspended its season. And all of a sudden, that, that ended up getting pushed into the lead paragraph of news stories that went around the world, how, how the coronavirus was, was affecting U.S. sports. And as it turns out, we had a front row seat to it here in Kansas City because of the Big 12 tournament, what it means to... Uh, this community, it's 44 years old, the, the Big 8 slash Big 12 tournament, all but five of them played in Kansas City. It has an economic impact of about $14 million in this town. The Big 12 makes about $7 million in ticket revenue. And in a matter of 48 hours, that's all gone. All gone, you know? We didn't write about it or talk about it for weeks or months or, the, the talk, or address the possibility of it. It just happened. It just happened. And that, to me, is kind of blows my mind. Just, I've, yeah. I've been thinking about, um, you know, maybe this is like searching too hard for a silver lining, right? But sports, and I, I've said this like way too many times, but sports are the least important thing in the world, like right up until the moment where they're the most important thing in the world. And it is really easy. It's human nature, I think, to be skeptical of the impact of something that you can't see. And, and to resist major change of something that hasn't directly affected your life. For a lot of people, and I am fortunate and grateful that I'm among them, this is the first time that it's like directly affected your life, that it's gone from a news item to something in real life. And I don't know, I, I don't know what segment of the population, I, I think it started to shift in the last couple of days, um, but what segment of the population woke up this morning still thinking this wasn't a big deal? 
But if sports can convince a significant number of those people that, holy crap, like this is a big thing. And this is not just something that I'm seeing on whatever cable news channel. This is a thing that, that health experts are, are advocating and leagues that I follow and love are suspending games. Maybe I should take this a little bit more seriously. If that's one effect, I mean, that's that's one positive that sports can have right now. I think that's really true. I've been thinking about that, too. I mean, obviously, we have KU and K-State that, you know, right here and Mizzou and, you know, the school formerly known as UMKC, all that. But but I think the fact that the Big 12 tournament was here this week and now it's just evaporated kind of in these gradual phases, like, boom, I think it probably is a service to Kansas City to, to have an actual perspective on this is real and it's right here. It's a clear and present danger. And no matter where you, where you stood 48 hours ago, there is no way it doesn't have your attention now. Yeah. And that seems to be, not to get in any way beyond our Twitter science degrees, but um, seems to be pretty crucial, right, to the stemming of the pandemic is an, uh, the actual realization and actualization of proper responses. That, that that can stem these horrifying trajectories you see on, on uh, some of these projections. COVID-19 wasn't the only major story of 2020. The killing of George Floyd in May after a white police officer had his knee on Floyd's neck for more than eight minutes triggered outcry, protests, and a social injustice awakening. In June, the Star put together a panel to discuss race in sports. Chief Safety Tyron Matthew, Negro League Museum President Bob Kendrick, Kansas basketball coach Bill Self, Royals general manager Dayton Moore, Kansas State basketball player Christiana Carr, and Missouri basketball coach Conzo Martin participated, and the 45-minute discussion was riveting. I'd encourage you to go revisit the podcast from June 26th. Here's a cut from that conversation. You'll hear Christiana Carr and Conzo Martin speak. You know, honestly, being from Minneapolis area, um, when I saw the, the video first hit the news and everyone was kind of protesting and going through all of the violence acts and the looting and the rioting, I wanted to do something, but I knew that it was too dangerous for me to go back home at the time. So when I saw on Facebook that there was a protest in Topeka, I immediately made the decision that I was going to go. I made some posters with my friends and we ended up going and it was a great protest. And it was great to be a part of something that was peaceful. After all you see on the news is violence and just negative comments about everything that's been going on. Um, and then over the past couple of weeks, I went back home to Minnesota and protested um, with the 10 K foundation and then helped uh, with donations in North Minneapolis as well. And so it was good to be able to be back home and, and help out with my friends and family and kind of get things back on the swing of things and moving the needle forward. You were actually um, familiar with the, the store uh, where George Floyd, uh, the, the area in front of the store where George Floyd was killed. You know that part of town. Yes, I do. Uh, my friend lives right around the corner from it. Um, we would go there and get food. I mean, there's only one cup foods in the area, so it's, it's kind of <laughs> easy to spot out. Once I saw it on video, I immediately knew where that was uh, being a Minneapolis native. So. Let me ask you this too, Christiana. I, I saw or read a story where um, you, you received tons of positive feedback for what you did, but but not all of it was positive. There were some there were some death threats even. Tell us about that. Yeah, I, I tweeted out um, about you know if you don't support me with supporting Black Lives Matter, then I feel like you shouldn't support me with my sport as well. And I mean, when my mom first told me about it, I 
was kind of iffy about tweeting it, just about the backlash and everything. And at first I got a lot of positive comments about people supporting me and uh, talk show hosts quoted my tweet and kind of made a joke about the WNBA and how nobody watches it. And immediately after that, I had tweets about people saying that I should burn in the city of Minneapolis. I, um, they don't support me in either. They don't know what women's basketball is. And so, I mean, as much hate comments as I've gotten, I've definitely gotten a lot of support with that as well. So, I mean, it shows just how much people that I don't even know that still support me. And, and that means a lot as well. So. Very good. Hey, Kanja, I'm gonna I'm gonna go as as you appear on my screen. So, Kanja, I'm just wondering what the what what the last month has meant to you, and and uh, I, I know that uh, uh, having spoken to you about it, there have been some uh, you know a, a march on your campus that you participated in, and just generally tell us what it's meant to you over the last month. Well, it, obviously, it was a tough one to see the, the George Floyd video, and and to be totally honest, it was the first video I watched in this entirety because I, I've seen those for years and uh, I, I just, my stomach just can't take that. I'm not sure ever since I've had kids, I just can't, I can't watch those videos, but I watched it through and it, it was, it was really tough to watch. And, um, you know, for me, uh, I, I have to be totally honest here. When I was at Cal Berkeley, uh, I, I, I saw Colin Kaepernick up close when I, when I saw when he took the knee because the camp was probably 45 minutes from the San Francisco 49ers facilities. And, you know, you, you want to do something, you want to step out, you want to say something, but, you know, truthfully, self-preservation takes over because you have to provide for your family, you work for a university, so you want to be careful in how you speak. And that was, that was tough for me. So whatever came around again, I was just telling myself, and I was constantly praying to God, I, I have to get out in front of this some way, shape, or form, because I, I grew up in East St. Louis, Illinois, so I've, I've seen a lot of that up close and witnessed it from afar. So when this time around, I, I think the thing that helped me with the COVID virus, which is an unfortunate pandemic. It has caused a lot of deaths and anxiety and stress, loss of jobs. But I think what it allowed all of us to do, time stop so we can all see it. So there's not a sporting event the next day to go to. And I think that really helped me to get out in front of this thing because, you know, everybody was asking, how, how should you respond? Should you tweet this social media? It, it took me about a week just... I didn't know what to say because you want to be respectful to all, but you understand the situation and the task at hand. So... I just said from this point on, this is who I am, and it has to be a part of my life, and I, and I have to get out in front of this. And um, and this, is, I, I I said to my sons respectfully. I just said this about a week or so to my two sons. One's twenty-two, one's eighteen, and I just said, guys, I I don't know if I'll be on this earth uh, to see uh, uh, total equality, but 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 I pray that my grandkids, if God willing, that they can they can have a peaceful life. But I said, I, and I I just said like there was threats. I'm not worried about threats, but I just. I just felt like I'm not sure I'll be able to see that because when you're talking percentage and you study history and, and the black communities and uh, the communities of colors, that's probably a 70 year wealth gap. And there's a lot of catching up to do. So I just told my sons, uh, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure uh, my grandkids can live a peaceful life. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. 
Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Even with no NCAA basketball tournament, an abbreviated Royal schedule, reduced schedules for college football and college basketball, it remained a busy year in sports in 2020. The Chiefs made plenty of news with off-season signings, making Patrick Mahomes a half-billion-dollar man, bringing back Chris Jones, among others, the first-round draft pick of running back Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Hey, look, and as we record this, the Chiefs are 13-1, and the best record in the NFL. The Royals started a new chapter in their history under owner John Sherman and manager Mike Matheny. KU won another Big 12 basketball championship, this time with a 17-1 league mark, the best in conference history. In Eli Drinkwitz's first year, Missouri pulled off heart-stopping victories over LSU and Arkansas and finished the regular season 5-5. Kansas State's football season got off to a rousing start with a triumph over Oklahoma. Then Skylar Thompson was lost for the season with an injury, and the Wildcats never really recovered. Sporting Kansas City returned to the top of the Western Conference before an early exit in the playoffs. Also, the team decided not to re-sign defender Matt Beasler, ending an era of soccer history in this town. We pick up our best of 2020 with a couple of my favorite moments on the podcast. They both involved our columnists, Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian, and each brings back a former star reporter. First, Therese Paler, who covered the Chiefs for five seasons before heading off to Yahoo Sports as a senior NFL writer. And then the next one with former Royals beat writer Andy McCullough. He moved from the Star to the Los Angeles Times and now writes for The Athletic. It's always fun catching up with old friends, especially when the stories involve press box decorum. Let's start with Therese. All right, guys, I've kept you too long, and uh, but just a warning: we will uh, we'll reconvene at some point to relive the the Therese Paler Sam Mellinger moment in the Broncos press box. After the social distancing guidelines are dropped, right? <laughs> if we're going to do that that's, right, that's right. Since you, that's right. Since you're on the floor next to each other in the press box, you know what's funny though? Like I'm glad it's kind of taken on mythical proportions because, like, in a way, that's the moment when I like. Honestly, that's the moment when, like, I think we both knew, like, oh my god, oh, god. this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, this is like that's when you knew something was special. Like yeah. that day against that team, against that was still a very spunky Bronco defense too. He they shouldn't pride, have been doing yeah. what he was doing. It was right. completely outrageous to see a player wearing Chiefs colors doing that to them. That's that's was, so well said. Yeah, the, right? the, he was wearing that uniform. Like that's right. the uniform of the game manager oh. has been for decades. Well, so, well if a Lions quarterback ever did it, it'd be the same. <laughs> it'd be the exact same. I just, I mean, I'm not even survive it. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Well, that was also the first kind of visual proof of what we'd been hearing all season long about what this guy was doing in practice, mm-hmm. right? From, yeah. from Eric, from Eric Berry, from Marcus Peters, from everybody who was seeing Patrick Mahomes in practice. That that throw at Denver and some of the other throws that he made that day were like, well, oh, 
This is what they're talking about. Yeah, and just real quick, it was, I mean, th- that throw to Demarcus Robinson on the sideline is just, I mean, <laughs> that's a forever <laughs> throw. It's an outrageous um, throw. In but every- was, it, was his first completion that laser to... <laughs> yeah, uh, it Paris? was. Yeah, like on third third and long, right? I mean, <laughs> that was crazy. Like, I mean, just just a warm up throw. Like, I mean, I haven't seen a quarterback do that. <laughs> it was a miss. I'm pretty sure it was that throw that prompted me to say to add the John Madden after like half of the throws he made in that game. Just, <laughs> just the moment he releases it. Yeah, <laughs> he was dealing like my yeah. was dealing that day. Um, it was, it was, it was. Oh, you know what else I remember too? Um, Andy Reid being as glowing as possible yeah. without like losing it. Like uh-huh. he, does, he is so controlled in those pressers, but he was just like, yeah, look, the kid had complete control. Okay, uh-huh. he was total, complete, absolute control. Okay, uh-huh. and it's just like whoa. You know, because yeah. Andy never said that about anybody. Yeah, you, you could almost in that post game, it, it was almost like there was two little Andys on on his shoulder, and one was just giddy as anybody could ever be, and it's like, holy crap, did you see this? That's our quarterback now. And the other guy was like, slow your roll, <laughs> slow your roll, playoffs. We got a playoff game. Just you know, calm down, calm down. And it was just like he was. Tied between these two, these two little Andys, like one, one, one was like he would have been in the dog pile with us in the press box, you know, and the other just like this old school football, never be impressed kind of guy. It was great. It was great. It was an uh, unbelievable I, moment. Andy, we can't let you go without um, reliving that moment in the press box. <laughs> little, little behind the scenes, game five. Um, <laughs> Uh, becoming apparent that the Royals are going to win the game. I, I think I've got the timing of this right. Um, no, it was it was the, when the, it was in the um, it was in the tenth inning when the game went to the tenth okay. inning. Uh, yeah. Okay, so we don't know. So it's it's still yeah, right. No, so it's still no, two two. It's way more problematic. <laughs> uh, Take us through that. No, I would Take actually trip down memory lane. I would prefer to hear Sam and and Vahe's version of this. Uh, <laughs> Vahe's because it'll be the truth, and Sam's because it'll. Uh, <laughs> Make me look the worst. All right, well, let me start. Uh, I mean, I just remember him just dog cussing his computer. Just MF bomb followed by F bomb followed by MF bomb. Just, and I remember him saying, like, you know, not just MF in the computer, but MF in himself, you know, uh, all this stuff. And I just, Really, really losing it, and uh, and I. So wait a second. Let me let me interrupt. Why would that be? Oh, we didn't get to that. Yeah. Well, his computer (laughs) fried. My Uh, my. my, I looked up, and every word in my (laughs) game story, and I'd written. You know, uh, my game stories were like you know like Tolstoy and or you know in their length. You know, I, I yeah my 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 every game story of mine was longer than a speech in an Anne Rand novel, uh, <laughs> but uh, I looked up and every word in my gamer had become an asterisk. Every single word had become an asterisk, and I couldn't. I, yeah, and I just started to have like a, it was like the tenth inning, and I just started to have a meltdown. Yeah, I'm, I remember. I felt a little bit like like a counselor. Or something. I remember, like, I'm not a touchy person, but I, I put my hand like on your shoulder, and yeah. I'm just like, "Come on, buddy, uh, come on, buddy." Just, and you're like, "It's it's all 
you know, like, <laughs> I was like, wow, okay, well, look, uh, the sixth inning, that's a section. Do that right now. You can do that. Just calm down. The, the, the eighth inning, like, that's a section. And, and it, the best part, though, was like in the middle of all this ranting, because <laughs> I don't know if the Royals, like, somebody just struck out or whatever, but, um, you know, there's this other writer in the press place just shouts over. And he goes, calm down. It's just a game, pal. <laughs> Uh, I want to. I I started to say this, Andrew, but I'm going to validate Sam's uh, version. Oh no! And uh, that's how I remember it. I think I might have dared go down into the into the uh, line, uh, and then it was quickly rebuffed. Um, My my suggestion was probably even uh, even more inflammatory. Like, we'll just start with the first sentence. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but I, I do want to say this and maybe this is a, a little bit of a parallel to covering that team Andy had quite a comeback and uh, yeah. that I, I would point out Andy's uh, eventual final game story to to anybody on earth who wants to see what a what the consummate perfect game story on the most meaningful moment that, in decades yeah. is it was it was unbelievably good yeah I pre- well, appreciate it, that it, reappeared at some point right i mean the the, the typed words did reappear somehow did, no who got in no i yeah, mean no, he he yeah. I, yeah no i mean i i give all the i mean honestly like you know it's as much as it pains me to do this i give all the credit in the world to sam for for talking me through it because <laughs> he he really did he was like all right buddy well you know okay so matt harvey was in this game but now he's not <laughs> Uh, maybe you can write a little bit about how how that happened, you know. And uh, you know, you should, you know, yeah, you should do a little bit on that. And then, hey, guess what? They tied it. You know, maybe maybe you can do like some play by play on on what happened during that play. And uh, I I also remember uh, at some point. Uh, Chris Fickett, our intrepid sports editor who was there, kind of came down and was like, hey, uh, what's going on here? And I was like, we're all, <laughs> like, we're, it's all, it's, it's all effed, like, we can't do it, you know, the story's gone, tell Fannin that, like, he's not going to have it for the front, we got to get something else on the front. And, uh, you know, just total panic or whatever, and Chris went back and called Mike, the, you know, the exec editor and basically told him, like, yeah, so uh, Andy's in some trouble. And Mike uh, told him in no unharsh terms that, uh, I needed to produce that story or, you know, we, we were all going to be in some trouble. And Chris, uh, very smartly did not communicate that message. Uh, so I was working, I was actually working under the pretense where it's like, it's fine. They got it figured out, just get it all back together and you'll be fine. You don't need to hit deadline. You, you'll be all right. And uh, luckily, I was unaware that there was they were having a meltdown on the other end, uh, waiting for my gamers. So, uh, yeah, man, it was that was a good one. Was I, a good I would one. add this, you know, like a lot of people may or may not remember that that game went twelve innings. Uh, it's good that it went twelve and not ten. <laughs> that was that was productive time. Oh man, yeah. I mean, that the tenth and eleventh inning. I mean, God bless Luke Hochevar for his you know scoreless work because that's how that's how we got there. Is you know is is the Royals just like blanked them for a couple innings and they and by the time like the twelfth rolled around, like I pretty much had it almost all up and running again. So. Uh, but yeah, that was not a fun like hour. That was that was not a fun hour for sure. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, Chris Pickett, 
and Savannah Smith. Derek did the heavy lifting putting together today's show. Many thanks, Derek. Hey, we got another deal for you, especially for those who want to deep dive into the Stars' terrific Chiefs coverage. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? I know I do. Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, send me an email at bkirkoff at kcstar.com and I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening and have a great holiday season.